Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're back in 1 Corinthians tonight. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read the first four verses. The Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Father, I pray that tonight you would help us as we have opened your word. May I say just the words you'd have me to say. Father, teach us through your Holy Spirit. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Went to a Mexican restaurant this afternoon. Good food. Probably over ate a little bit. They go a little heavy on the onion, Rick. As a matter of fact, I walked over to Alice before the start of the service and said, do I smell like onion? It's my coat. It smells like onion. Mary. And I'm still eating a little bit of the onion too, so bear with me. <clears throat> Having the Holy Spirit is not all that this church needed. Not just all they needed. We're talking about carnal churches, and we're talking about the condition in this chapter of the Corinthians. The condition of the Corinthians. You see, they also needed to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of the, over them. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the, the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells you. And you're sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. I believe that's Ephesians 4.30. But we need to allow that Holy Spirit to have control over us. If you don't, mark it down, you're a carnal Christian. We needed, and they needed, the Holy Spirit to fill them, to use them, and to empower them. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. See, lusteth, lust means desire. Desire. I think a lot of times we think of it in sexual terms. But it's simply desire. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Isn't it interesting? You go back to the book of Romans. Is that chapter 7 or 8 where Paul's saying those things that I do? I don't do. And the things that I would, and you know, vice versa, back and forth. He says, verse 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Then he goes ahead and he makes a list. Paul does. He's great at lists. In verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. In case you're wondering, am I manifesting carnal works? Am I showing carnality? Well, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on and he says, but for, if you want to know what 
the Spirit is, walking in the Spirit is, it says, the fruit of the Spirit, and this is, this is what you show. Uh, this is what you would grow. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against there is such no law. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, are crucified, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. There's a work that we're doing, a killing of these things. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Be who you are. Be who you are. Some people go, be who you are. Yeah, if you're born again, live like it. Live like it. And then he says, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Back to our scripture. You see, the, whole, the church at Corinth had not submitted themselves to the Holy Spirit. Yes, they were saved. They were born again. They had received Christ as their Savior, but they had not yielded themselves to them. Babes here is speaking of immature believers. Immature believers. Even though they possessed the Spirit, they had not developed it to the point that they should have. They should have been there. They should have matured some. They should have grown some. Where's my baby boy? Is he rolling on the floor down there? He's my, I call him my grandbaby. They're all grand, all your children are my grandchildren, by the way. I hope you don't mind. But I heard him this morning, and uh, we're watching him grow. And boy, he didn't take him long for it to grow. He's a big kid. But he was singing this morning as we were singing, and I thought, oh, there's a, there's a music guy right there. Somebody can lead the music. But they were immature believers. They were babes in Christ. Paul, as he's talking to them, he alludes to that. And he says, as if he's saying, you shouldn't be a baby. You shouldn't still be a baby. You should have matured some. You should have grown some. Every once in a while, you find a doctor that seems to just have all the answers. Uh, we had a doctor like that for our first two babies from Jason and for Emily, Dr. Roostaller, Dr. Roostaller, who coincidentally had been my doctor as a baby. So at this time, Dr. Roostaller must have been 75, 80 years old, I don't know. One of my doctors uh, practiced until he was 94. Well, praise God, but Dr. Roostaller had this ability, uh, he, to be a great doctor, he's what I call a true practitioner of medicine, a true practitioner of medicine. Not only did he have a personality that all the children would love him, he'd, he'd take these tongue depressors and he'd, and he'd be talking and, and he'd take a rubber band and put it around there and then he'd draw a star on one end and he'd draw a star on the other. He was giving him a little airplane. I'd get a little airplane as I left the office. Dr. Roostaller most times could listen and look at you and sum up what was going on where other physicians didn't seem to have that ability. He just had a gift of diagnosing whatever your ailment was. Similarly, the Apostle Paul could diagnose your spiritual ailment. And that's what he did. Although he was in Ephesus when he wrote to the church of Corinth, he had heard their condition. And by verse 10 of chapter 1, he's already diagnosed their condition and began providing them with a prescription in order to be a spiritual church. You know, I pray tonight that McKee Road Baptist Church members, we find ourselves as spiritual Christians, not as babes, not as immature, certainly not as carnal. 
<clears throat> but back to being babies. It's okay to be a baby if that just happened. But somewhere along the line, there needs to be some growth. I remember my mom, I can remember as a young child, the distinct difference that happened to my parents when they received Jesus Christ as their personal savior. It was amazing, I mentioned this before, how that my mom would sit down, we'd leave for school, we'd come back, somehow she'd get things done around the house and have food cooking, but there she'd be back at her Bible, reading, studying God's word. I can remember people would come to her. Her name was Loma, they called her Lomi. If you knew her well, you called her LP. Her middle name was Pauline. My uncle called her LP for long play, because she talked. Long play, because she talked. But that's a family joke, that's okay. That's okay. But it was interesting how that my mom would get calls from uh, lady friends and say, could you come over? Uh, there are gonna be some people with Latter-day Saints, the Mormon's gonna come over here. And, and she'd go over and she could very easily open God's word and explain it and lay it out. In just a short time, she matured very quickly, very quickly. You know, as a child of God, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you can grow very quickly. You can grow very quickly. Not only was the church of Corinth immature, they were also allowing their sinful nature to dominate them. And that is something that kind of goes hand in hand with being carnal. You allow that sinful nature just to make the choices in life for you. They yielded themselves to temptations of the flesh. And by doing that and being involved in sinful practices, they were it was making them difficult for them to understand the things of God. Sometimes we go, boy, I just can't get this scripture. I don't understand what it's saying. Preacher read that scripture and this doesn't make any sense to me. Why? If you're dabbling in sin, if you're involved in sin and your carnality is showing, mark it down, things of God are going to be hard for you to understand. By yielding to the temptations of the flesh, it made the hearing, the reproof of the Holy Spirit difficult. They were hard of hearing. They were hard of hearing. I've noticed my hearing is not what it used to be. Some of it, Alice, may still be selective. I'm not going to say if that's the fact or not. You know, we accuse our, our children of have, having selective hearing. Didn't you, didn't you hear what I said? <laughs> no. They've stuffed their ears. What's happened? They've stuffed their ears with the temptation of the world. In here, in here, in here, in here. God's word comes and it goes, boom, just falls right out. Proverbs 28, 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. The envy, the jealousy... The arguing and the clicks, that was a sure sign of their immaturity. A sure sign. Have you ever find yourself jealous of someone else? Oh, you might say, I'm not jealous of them. I just would like to have a little bit of what they have. Okay. Are we being true to our heart? Are we being, are we being real with ourselves? I just wish I could have some of that as well. What kind of spirit do you have? Is it a calm spirit? Is it one that brings, wants to bring everyone together or is it a fighting spirit? You know, Baptists have kind of a, or maybe it's just been in the churches I've been in, maybe it's my problem, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one, throw me overboard. But we have a fighting spirit. 
According to God's word, if you have a fighting spirit, if you have a spirit that is envious and you tend to get around in groups, mark it down, you're both carnal and immature. That's what the church of Corinth was. The church of Corinth was walking as a natural man. What was, what was the natural man? Natural man's lost. Natural man's lost. Yet we've seen it. How many, how many Christians could be here tonight? How many McKeever Baptist Church members could be here tonight and in churches all across town, but they're not? It's a sign of carnality. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Or as the manner of some is. The natural man. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You've received Christ as your Savior. You're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The natural man is not a child of God. He's lost. He's unsaved. This man does not welcome the things of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Doesn't make any sense. They was, the preaching of Christ's foolishness, was, the preaching of Christ, Christ crucified was foolishness. You know, we're supposed to preach this man, and yet he couldn't keep himself from being killed. It just didn't make any sense to them. This man does not welcome the things of God because they're foolishness. He cannot comprehend the most important spiritual things. The Bible talks about how that the natural man receives not the things of God. By the way, there are many people that are natural men that know the word of God quite well. But they kind of know it like I know of George Washington. I know that by history. I've studied it, and I know that by history. But I never met George Washington. I have met Jesus Christ. So they study it only because they want to be intellectually, they're intellectually curious. curious. The exhortation of Paul was not given for the natural man. Understand, Paul's writing this to the Christian albeit they're carnal Christians, but he's writing it to the Christian. The church at Corinth were believers. The spiritual man, this man is a mature believer. He or she has spiritual discernment. People, this is who you want to be around. This is who you want to call your friend. This is the one you have to have their phone number in your phone. Something comes up, I'm texting. Got a question, you have time for a call. Have time for a call. Now, if you're real good at texting, you do it like this. I was watching my son the other day, and he was just flying. Not me. It's this. This is what I do. And then sometimes I think, that's good. I'll send it. And I go, well, who wrote that? I, I, I wished my friend a happy birthday the other day, and it took me three more texts to make sure he understood what I was saying. That's a true story. It's a sad story, but it's true. The spiritual man, that's who we want to be. Hebrews 5.14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even though who by reason have used their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. 
You know, you don't have to be an old person to be a spiritual Christian. You do not. You've heard the phrase, oh, so-and-so, they are wise beyond their years. They are wise beyond their years. Some people are naturally gifted that way. Some have studied and, 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 and in, in this world are wise beyond the years. But oh, to be wise beyond your years as a Christian, a spiritual person. The immature child of God, well, we talked about him. That's a babe in Christ. It's not wrong to be immature, an uh, uh, immature child of God, if you're a new believer. But again, you shouldn't remain a babe. In fact, if you've been a child of God for several years and you've never grown, I would submit that's very sinful. That's very sinful. The Corinthians were immature children of God. They were carnal. They were carnal. By the t this time, they should have been more mature. They should have had at least some spiritual Christians within their body. But Paul had to feed them with milk. You know? And that's what we would want to eat would be the meat of the word. Rather than that pre-digested food, that Similac. Oh. The carnal child of God. Mark it down if you follow the dictates of the flesh what your flesh wants, rather than what the indwelling of the Holy Spirit wants, you're a carnal child of God. That's also a sign of immaturity. Immaturity. Carnality. Staying home from church when you shouldn't. Um, not taking advantage of being a witness and testimony when the Holy Spirit prompts your heart. Uh, not taking time to read your Bible. Not taking time to pray. That's a sign of immaturity. It's interesting though that a person that has been born again can behave spiritually or naturally, isn't it? I can live like the devil, I can live like a love of the Lord with all my heart. And we've seen Christians do it. Perhaps some of us have done it as well. That takes us back to Galatians chapter 5. If you ever want to know what things do I, do I need to manifest to show that I am displaying that I have the Spirit of God in my life. Go to Galatians chapter 5. And I believe it's chapter 20, verse 23 and following. Talks about those of the Spirit. The role of the servants of God. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to read a few verses and talk a little bit, and we'll go doing it that way. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. 
For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, can lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Turn over to Ephesians chapter two, verse twenty. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The foundation of the church in Paul's day consisted of a large number of stones, large stones. The largest of them was regarded as the cornerstone. You preach it, baby. It's regarded as the cornerstone. And it supported the superstructure. Okay? Paul said the apostles and the prophets are the smaller foundational stones. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's the most important part of the foundation of the church. Back to 1 Corinthians 3.11 it says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. The day of testing is going to reveal, is going to reveal what foundation a person has built. Whether it was good works or our own works. It's going to reveal, be revealed by fire. The Bible says the fire shall try every man's work. Every man's work. It'll test the quality of every man's work. G. Campbell Morgan, famous preacher, several times he got much accomplished. Several times we'd be asked what the secret of his success was. And he'd reply, work, hard work, more work. He lived by his own advice. He said, that he had been in his office at six o'clock every morning so he could dig out the nuggets of gold that he could present to his congregation. Verse 14 says, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Notice, it's the quality. It's the quality of each man's work, not the quantity. Not the quantity. What are the things that you are doing that result in the building of the church that will make a lasting, uh, lasting, a lasting contribution? Are you doing God's pleasure? Or are you doing them for your own pleasure? It's like your decorations. It's like you're decorating a Christmas tree. That pleases your eyes. But what you're doing as you attempt to help build upon this foundation what are you doing? Is it for God? You know, you may deceive people. You may deceive me. You may deceive others, but you're not going to deceive God. He knows. Verse 15, it says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. This is speaking of loss of reward, not loss of salvation. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. This is a reference to the judgment seat of Christ. I'll give you these other references. You want to write them down. Talking about the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. Chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 through 12. 1 John chapter 2 verse 28. And Matthew 12, 36. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 12. 1 John 2, 28. And Matthew 12, 36. 
You know, each of us need to live our lives with the awareness that one day our works will be judged. Our works will be judged. We'll have to give an account for our lives before the Lord. Each man, woman, boy, and uh, a girl will stand before God. Remember the story of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. There's a story about two brothers that grew up in a fine Christian home. One became a preacher, the other became a lawyer. The preacher pastored a small church. He was not very well known. His brother, the lawyer, on the other hand, became very well known. He, uh, at one time later, he attained a judgeship. But after a while, he started making some bad decisions. And very soon he had lost his wealth. And then he had lost his health. <clears throat> and then he called out for his brother to come see him. And his brother came to him, and the, the lawyer was dying. And his brother said, I'm not prepared to die. The lawyer said to his brother, I'm not prepared to die. His brother, the preacher, said, but you've received Jesus Christ, your Savior. I was there. I'm testimony to what happened in your life. The lawyer said, yes, my sins have been forgiven, but I cannot think of a single person I've led to Christ. How many of us will enter heaven never letting, leading someone to the Lord? By the way, in order to lead someone to the Lord, you have to give them the plan of salvation. You have to give them the opportunity to receive Christ your Savior. I remember one story, true story, pastor friend of mine had, he said, I've been at odds with the Holy Spirit. He's being very transparent. And he said, I'm going to a preacher's meeting. And he said, as I'm driving to a preacher's meeting, and he's the type of guy that would just lose touch with everything else that's going on around him. He becomes very myopic. He focuses on that one thing that's going on. Brilliant man. And he says, I was back and forth with the Holy Spirit. And he says, it came to a point and he said, I had confessed my sin and made peace with God. He said, at that point, he said, I kind of looked up and I go, where am I at? You know, just driving down the road. How many have ever done that? You're driving down the road and going, oh, where am I at? And he goes, where am I at? And he said, I better pull off here and find out where I'm at. He pulled off and there was a gas station. He pulled in there and he saw this young man. So he pulled up to him and he rolled down his window and he said, hey, uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a, a meeting at a church and I wonder if you know where so-and-so church is at. Young man said, yes, I do. He said, you go down two blocks this way, turn right, and you'll see it. He said, well, thank you very much. He said, I started to drive off. <clears throat> and he said, well, yep, the young man stopped me. He says, well, wait a minute. He said, a little few minutes ago, another car came through here. There was another preacher, and he gave me this card. It was a track. And he said, I was reading it, and he says, I wanted to see if you could talk to me about it. And he wound up leading him to the Lord. That happens very few and far between. God does have those divine appointments. But I would challenge each and every one of us not to be afraid or ashamed to share the gospel, to share the gospel. John, 1 John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and be not ashamed before him at his coming.
I wonder how many Christians. I feel it probably far more. I, as we enter heaven, I think we'll look back over there and think, like the song says, I wish I had given him more. I wish I had given him more. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are ye? Which temple are ye? Each child of God contributes to the building of the church, but in different ways, in different ways. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about human wisdom and limited blessing as we end out, end out this chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18. It says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be, to be uh, wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Or the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. God says the wisdom of this world of this age is foolish. It's futile. It's empty. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Paul was talking to them and telling them not to take one preacher over another. They are all servants of God. They all had something to give. They may not have the same delivery. One might be a little bit more well-studied in this doctrine. One might be a little bit more well-studied in this doctrine. But listen to what they have to say. We all contribute in a different way. Verse 23, it says, And ye are Christ, and Christ is God. By the way, these are all privileges that we as children of God can enjoy. And servants of God that we can benefit from. We will miss the blessing. We'll miss the blessing that comes through other godly individuals that have gifted talents if we set them over here and say, well, I'm not going to hear anything that person has to say. Why? Well, one time I heard them say this. Or one time they made fun of and this. You know what? If that's the case, we all should just be quiet. I have nothing to say. Why? Because I fail every day. I fail every day. But we have to be so spiritually aware that we can cut through what is bad and find what is right and go, that's good. That's good. What are they doing? They're building the church. They're building on the foundation. That's the problem. That's the problem when we make celebrities out of our preachers and our evangelists and our missionaries. Should we think highly of them? Of course. But you should pray for them. Why? They are flesh and blood. They are flesh and blood. You know what's happened? That's a tendency of our culture. A tendency of our culture where celebrities are idolized, right? Oh, you like the great sports fan. You like those great actors, those movie stars. And we have brought that thinking into the church. A couple of weeks back, I said... Is the church in the world, or is the world in the church? See, we should be in the world. Not of the world, but in the world. We're preaching righteousness. We're preaching righteousness. So, 
Which one of these four examples are you? Are you the natural man? You've not been saved? If so, come forward today. We'll talk to you. We'll show you from God's word how to be saved. Are you the spiritual man? That's where you aspire to be. And by the way, <clears throat> I don't have a chart to show you where that spiritual line is. But you know what you do? You keep applying and adding to that and growing. You know, it's the good athletes. It's the, the good athletes can make it to professional sports. It's the great athletes that keep on practicing, keep on trying, keep on working out. They want to get better. Are you the immature believer? Then you're like the church at Corinth. Are you a carnal believer? Then you're like the church at Corinth. Which are you? Let's pray tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks for listening so attentively. That's the question tonight. Which of these four are you? Father, I ask that at this time, you speak to our hearts. God, may we individually make the adjustments in our life, whether it's sin that is prohibiting us from being that spiritual Christian or perhaps, God, we thought we were saved, but we're not saved. Whatever it is, God, I pray that each and every one of us would desire to grow in you. May you have your will and way in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me with heads bowed.